that this on? Hello, this on? Okay. I enjoy that scene so much that I feel like that little guy that went to church for the first time. Uh, they sang, and after the meeting, the daddy asks the little boy how he liked church. And he said, I like the singing, but the commercial at the end was awfully long. <laughs> I trust it won't be that long tonight. So glad to have spent the day here and with my dear friends at lunch, and we just enjoyed our time together, Jan and I, and just uh, establishing friendships and able to be acquainted with each other. And thank you for inviting us again. We trust that <clears throat> our relationship, our fellowship might continue throughout the time if the Lord tarries and he still allows us to return for sure. We plan to return to Bolivia the 14th of January. I have another full year of scheduled seminars throughout Chile, be in Uruguay for three seminars. <clears throat> we'll be in Bolivia and over all over Latin America. So Thank you for praying for us and, and supporting us through these times. This last year, to be real honest with you, I had a scare uh, physically. I had problems with blood pressure and this of going up and down from the high altitude, going down to sea level and then going back up and down all the time. seems that it is now trying to say maybe I can't do as many of those trips and be involved as much in, those, in that type of ministry. Speaking about blood pressure, every time we have come home lately, because now we're over the hill kind of a thing with Jan, <coughs> especially myself, we go to a doctor. And I go to a heart doctor. Um, and it's all okay until I tell them that I have Chagas. What's that? Chagas. Well, that is a, I, it's not contagious, don't worry. I'm, you're not going to get it by shaking my hand. Uh, but <clears throat> the little bug bites you, and the 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 bug goes either to your heart, your esophagus, or your colon, and just ruins the function in any one of those three areas. Well, <clears throat> thank the Lord that that has been brought under, under control. But what I'm more concerned about is what is in my spiritual heart. And tonight I'd like to speak to you about more than chagas in your heart. Speak about what motivates and what uh, 
helps us to look toward tomorrow. So let me just give you my two points right straight off the bat. Number one, why are we going to talk about the heart and why do we need a heart check? Number one, because we miss a lot of opportunities that God has for each one of us. Number two, because living in a world in which we live in today, we tend to adapt the Bible so that it fits our lifestyle rather than being obedient and following God's Word like He would like us to do. We live in a broken world. And because we live in a broken world, sinful, crooked, and with so many, many difficulties, that's why we need a Christian community and leaders that will allow us and help us to walk in the way of the Lord. Will allow us to see where we mess up and where we're going wrong. So <clears throat> we need to check on our own motivation. I heard a great story, and this story is not mine for sure. I got it from Charles Swindoll, who I respect greatly as a great Bible teacher. One day he was preaching even on this passage and he was telling the story of how this church back east had decided to do a missions trip to Miami, to the Miami Beach area. And they were taking all these young people <laughs> and the youth pastor knew that going to be hard to concentrate while they were down on the Miami beach and seeing the scenery, not the palm trees, you know what I mean. And so <clears throat> he decided to build this, uh, this cross, wooden cross. So they, he built it and when they got to Miami, he says, now, folks, anywhere we go, you're going to carry this cross. I guess it was pretty good size, wooden cross. You're going to carry this cross. If we're on the beach, uh, we're going to plant it in the sand, and while we're testifying, while we're sharing the Lord, you, you have that cross uh, so that everybody can see at the the beginning, the young people were kind of embarrassed, you know, getting on the bus with this cross. Well, what, what a bunch of weirdos are these, kind of a thing. But pretty soon, it became a talking piece. And it became something that people were, were man, they started to uh, applaud this group of young people who were serious about the message of the cross. This was had the purpose to keep them motivated and concentrated and, and focused on the message of the cross. At the end of that uh, time together, they were in their last evening, the group that had gone. And 
the youth pastor pulls out two nails. Two nails. These are huge. I got them huge just so that you could see a little bit. Huge nails. But he got two nails for everybody. And he says, if you believe in the message that we have been preaching, that Jesus came to save sinners, and he died on the cross, and he came so that anyone who believes on him can have eternal life. If you believe that message, and you're so convinced about that message, I want you to come up and I want you to nail. I'm going to give you two nails. One, you're going to nail to the cross. And the other one, you're going to take it home. And keep it with you. And whenever you're getting off track, or you need to review, What is your motivation in life? Pull out that nail and look at it. So pretty soon, one by one, they started coming up and hammering in, and he gave him the other nail. As time went by, 15 years later, the youth pastor was in New York, and he checked out one of the guys that had been on that trip. And in the conversation, he said to him, by the way, do you still have that nail? And he said, sure do. It's in the top drawer of my desk. And every time I am tempted to get off, off on a tangent and to forget my call that God made to me that day, pull out that nail, and it reminds me of what motivates me in life. Why should we check our heart? You know why? Because that's what God sees. Uh, We see the external. We see what's outside. and That's what the Lord said to Samuel when he was checking out the sons of Jesse to find out which one was going to be the king. No, 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 no. That guy, mm, no, 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 no. He's just all appearance. Don't look on the outside. Look on the inside. For that's what God really looks for and wants us to have right. Well, we ask ourselves a question. So how can I check my heart? After all, I know a lot of things, but even I convince myself of wrong things, wrong attitudes, wrong actions, and I can justify it. And I'm sure you have been down that road. But one area that the Lord has us check on 
And it's one that affects all of us. Not a single person escapes this one tonight. All of us. That has to do with how we handle our funds. Though the story he told doesn't necessarily specifically have to do with the management of money. It does have to do. Money reflects my motivation in life. Very interesting that the Lord or that the Bible uses the whole idea of money over 2,000 times in the Bible. So it's pretty important, and we need to consider it for sure. So, Proverbs says, 25, Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Proverbs 25. Now, the story I really want to get into tonight, and I, I want to call it a story. In reality, I learned to love the Bible when I was a little kid because my mom would always read at night the living letters. And I just loved the Bible because I could understand it and it was something so practical to me. Uh, if it was me, I would probably read from the message tonight for sure. But I know that makes some people uncomfortable. So let's get down to the Luke King James and get with it. Back to Luke chapter 16. Luke Chapter 16, and let's read the first two verses. Reality, that's what I want to talk about tonight. Missing out on opportunities and adjusting the Bible to what I wanted to say. Verse 1 and 2 says, he also said to his disciples, mark it well, his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a steward or a manager. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him in. He called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be Steward. Okay, let's just stop there a minute. Audit time. Um, inventory time. And it didn't add up. Two plus two didn't come out four because uh, there was some shenanigans going on. And this guy was not being truthful and was not doing what he should have done, even though he had all the possibilities and all the privileges. So I just think of myself, and I ask you, if we were to make an inventory, if we were to do an inventory of our lives, of what is in our heart, what would be the answer? 
if we had an audit, a spiritual audit of our age in the Lord, of our experience in the Lord, what would be the, what would be the response to that? What have we done with the things the Lord has given us, the time He has given us, the talents that He has given us, the testimony that He has allowed us to have? Um, what would be my answer? Am I using all these things correctly and am I doing it like the Lord would want? So, let's get back to the text. 3 and 4. says, Then the steward said within himself, he's self-talk, it's called in psychology, self-talk, okay? He says, he says to himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig, I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. Let's just read it up to eight. It says, so he called every one of his master's debtors uh, to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill. Notice who's going to do the writing. It says, take your bill and sit down quickly, and write fifty, hmm, half. Then he said to, the, to another, and how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write eighty. So the master commended the unjust servant, or steward, excuse me, steward, because he had dealt shrewdly, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Okay, let's just stop there. If you just do a cursory reading of this passage, you kind of come away with the idea, well, you know, he was all excited because this dude had... uh, uh, had dealt the way he had, um, and that's not really what it's trying to say. I would like for us to look again at this. Every good story has a novel twist to it. That's why it's a good story. A novel twist. And the novel twist in this story is that The owner gets all excited, not because of the crookedness of this guy, but because of the motivation that he had and the urgency with which he was doing things. Tells the one guy, hey, uh, write 50. To the other guy, he says, write 80. And some have said, well, you know, that probably was his commission. I don't think so. I don't think that's what he's trying to say. Um, and, and some people have tried to, to explain this parable away, but I, I don't think we need to do that. I think it's, he, he is talking and showing us something 
Very, very important. He says, the people that don't know the Lord and don't know Jesus in a special way, many times are a whole lot more savvy in the way they use their goods, the way they use their life, the way they use their talent. Uh, they're a whole lot more savvy in their investments that, than uh, many of us who know the Lord. In other words, we have this tremendous riches in Christ, but um, we don't pay attention, we don't, we don't get with it, we don't invest in the kingdom kind of life and in the kingdom living for sure. We don't have that urgency like, let's get with it, let's do it. What does verse 9 say? And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. That's where, hmm, what does he mean? Uh, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Wow, what does he mean there? That's, uh, that's the novel twist there, right? In this whole passage. What does he mean? Let me just suggest to you that what he really is getting at is an admonition to use every opportunity that we have wisely. Wisely. I don't think he's talking about buying off people. What he's saying is uh, people who are savvy, they invest in such a manner that they, they know what they're investing in, what they are using the monies for and what they have received. So, uh, why is it so important for us? Because way beyond monies, what he is saying is, are you using what God has given to you to see more people come to Jesus Christ and to be able to know the Savior and we do it with an urgency. We do it because we have passion. We do it because this is a, a message of life or death for many, many people. So, number one, he says, use what you have, every opportunity, wisely, wisely, in a way that people might come to know Jesus Christ. Now verse 10 and 12 says this. Uh, and you don't have to be a theologue to be able to understand what he's saying. It says, He who is faithful in what is least is, faith, is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Uh, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you, to your trust, the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? In other words, faithfulness in the small things. If we are faithful in the small things, 
we will probably be faithful in the big things. Uh, character. What happens when I'm all alone? What do I look at? What do I listen? How do I deal with uh, seemingly not very important issues? But they are. They are. They belong to the heart. How am I dealing with those? See, we can do a lot of Photoshop with the physical. Make it look good. But the heart, <laughs> unless God is working in us, His Holy Spirit using a lamp unto my feet, this Word, He is working through this and changing my way of thinking, my way of reacting, my way of relating all these things. The outside doesn't impress God at all, man. Let's face it. But the heart sure does. The heart sure does. So, uh, verse 13. Let's go to verse 13. It says, um, No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, you can't be going in both directions at the same time. Either you're going one way, <laughs> canceled out this one, or you're going this way and you canceled out that one. So, I uh, number three. I am totally committed, wholly committed to the person of Jesus Christ. Nothing wrong with money. It's wrong with money has you, for sure. And that's the temptation in the world today, to let finances, to let that kind of lifestyle govern our lives. So, what is my motivation? What is your motivation? How does it check out? How does, when, when the Lord looks in my heart, does He see a passion with the same level of passion, enthusiasm that people have in the world to, to reach people for the Lord? Like, man, if I don't do this, I won't get it. So, as a Christian, if I don't share about Jesus Christ, if I don't share the message of, of salvation, this person might be lost and lost for eternity. Uh, am I faithful in the small things? And number three is my focus on the Lord. Well, I said that two things I was going to talk about tonight. Number one, he talked to his disciples. And he was trying to uh, motivate them to, to see the by of the opportunities that God sends our way. But you know what? 
you can know a lot about the Bible. Uh, <laughs> and uh, kind of twist it around so that it adapts to our life, to our lifestyle. Let's look at verse 14. It says, remember the previous section was to the disciples. But in verse 14, he says, now the, the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, here we're back to the money issue, also heard all these things, and they deride him. In other words, what were they doing? They were saying, this guy is out of touch. They were rolling their eyes. They're saying, Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. That's what it means, deride. It means they rolled their eyeballs. Uh, and he said to them, you are those who justify yourself before men, but God knows your heart. We're back to the heart again. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is pressing into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the law to fail. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. Okay, man, there's lots of teaching there. And uh, again, what is the main thrust of the passage? Well, he's allowing these people who bragged about how much knowledge they had about the Bible or about God's Word. And uh, let's be fair with the Pharisees. I know that they have uh, gotten a lot of slack, but I just want to tell you that there's some good things the Pharisees did do. And that was in their transmission of the Bible, they were real... Uh, they were detail-oriented, and they did the transmission of the books of, of the books of the Old Testament, and they, they did a wonderful job. We have much to thank them for. But they also knew how to twist it. And they added a whole bunch of laws. And when it came to, for example, marriage. <laughs> it was um, uh, the reasons for divorce that they gave, the liberals that gave those days, were right, just right down stupid. If she didn't put on the right dress that I like, I had the right to divorce. If she burned the food, I, I can divorce. You know, all kinds of all these hideous reasons to divorce. You know, I'm sure there was a whole lot more going on or not going on for them to want to get divorced, right? But Jesus said, a tittle. So what is the tittle? Well, there's the towel, and you have this little thingy that comes out the side. That's the tittle. He says, not even that little bit 
that little tittle uh, will, will uh, uh, can you do away with? The Word of God is firm. The Word of God will come to fruition. It will be completed for sure. I know. You know enough Spanish. Have you ever written the name Maria? Cursive. Maria. Right? A, the little tail at the bottom to be Maria. If on the last circle you put the tail at the top, it's Mario. Just that little bit and it changes the whole word. (laughs) The Lord says, none of that will happen. He says, everything will come to happen. So, what were they doing? They were adjusting the Word. They were adding to the Word where it was convenient to add to it. They were, it's like a little kid. Have you ever played a game with a four-year-old? Pretty soon they start crying, I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose. And so they change the rules like they, it benefits them so that they can win. You say, but that's not, the, that's not the rule. That's not how you play the game. I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose, right? A lot of times we do the very same thing. We adjust the Bible to say what it really, what we want it to say, not what it's really saying. That depends on our heart. That depends on our heart. Do we want God's passion? Need to check inside. Do I want to live according to God's word? Go and study it. For heaven will pass away. Earth will pass away, but His Word will not pass away. Not even that little bit on the towel or on the dalet. I'm talking about letters in Hebrew. That, that little bit, just that little bit, that will not pass away, says the Lord. So I'm sure if I had a cross here tonight, And I said, if you're committed to Jesus Christ, you're committed to the message of the cross, I want you to come up and you're going to pound this nail in. Boom, 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 boom. And here, take this other nail. So that You can remind yourself from time to time what your real purpose is in life. I ask myself the question, if the Lord were to tarry and He were to give me another 15 years, I asked you, do you still have that nail? 
most of us would say, what man? I'm not even sure <laughs> what you're talking about. Because not real sure that our heart is right. And because it's not right, we mix things up, theology, interpretation of the Bible, and do all kinds of other things. But the Lord is calling us tonight to do a heart check. Do I have a passion to live Jesus? And number two, am I willing to follow His instructions because I love Him and I want to serve Him? You know, we started the day singing, Worthy is the Lamb. That was probably all we needed to sing this morning. <laughs> because if He is worthy, that's what we're going to invest our whole week. And the rest of the days until the Lord returns. So, as we leave here tonight, let's ask ourselves the question. Do I really have the passion? Uh, is it 50-50? Lord says, <laughs> not good enough. Has to be 100%. And if it is 100%, then am I willing to take God at His word, to share it, to live by it, and to feed on it on a daily basis. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these practical lessons that you have given to us in your word understandable, applicable, because they deal with issues that we deal with every day and many hours in the day. Lord, as we check out our heart and we, we ask ourselves the question about our passion for you, Lord, help us to be totally open, totally allow you to show us what our real interest is in life. And Lord, don't allow us to go twisting your word to accommodate to our liking and to our style of life. Help us to follow your word, for it's a lamp unto our feet. Lord, I just pray tonight that you will speak to each one of us. May we buy up the time and may we be ready 
when you return. Help us to be faithful in those little things, little details. And we will give you the honor and the glory forever and ever.